any of you feel blessed today? Yes. Amen. 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 Let me tell you, I'm blessed. Um, this week, um, on Thursday, Carol, I've been married 43 years.
and you know, I have a great love for all the hymns, and we sing them. We don't just sing them, and the reason for that is, I don't know about you, but when I go to the restaurant, I don't eat the same thing all the time. Unless it's a wing restaurant, in which I, I don't get hot wings every time. But, <laughs> barring that, I, I like a diet of variety. The same is true with our songs. This song is why I had Donna, Donna Tucker, I see her up there, the seat of authority in the balcony. She said this out to you to hear. And um, it's, it's not hard to sing, but you may have heard it and you may have not heard it. So, what we're going to do is, I'm going to sing the verses. You're going to sing. There's two choruses, two different choruses. I'll sing the verses, you sing the verses. This is how you know when the chorus comes. Uh, in Christ alone, my solid ground, that's a chorus. And there's another one, this is my story, this is my song, and that's a chorus. So if you hear any one of those, you sing. And then you pray that this scrappy voice has enough to make it through this song.
see you today. And man, we missed you the last couple of weeks. We were able to watch online and kind of keep up with everything that was going on. But it's so good to see you today. I hope you had a big breakfast. <laughs> I hope you brought a little snack. It won't hurt my feelings at all if you grab over and you know, have a few crackers, you know. And uh, no, I, I but uh, I, I promise you this: the, the, the tank is loaded today. All right, a lot to say, and I'm going to say it pretty quick. If you have a copy of God's Word this morning, I'm going to invite you to look with me in Nehemiah chapter 10. Nehemiah chapter 10. Scott and all of our musicians, thank you so much for just the time of worship today through music. And uh, man, that's a great, great song. And uh, I, I, I love that. I love that song. Today we're going to talk about new beginnings. And uh, we're going to go back just a tad bit in chapter 9 and then we'll move forward into chapter 10. But you, you remember they have been there at the water gate. It's kind of like they had a Bible conference. And so this Bible conference has been going for 24 days. Can you imagine 24 straight days of, uh, from morning to noon? Just hearing the word of God, this, this kind of a worship service every single day for 24 straight days. And the people were sitting under the authority of God's word. And when God moves like that, nobody can stay the same, right? I mean, when you really feel God move, when God does a fresh work, you cannot stay the same. Let me tell you this. If God has not changed you, God has not saved you. You understand that? And I'm saying when God is moving and when the word is being applied, whether you're coming to faith in Christ as a new believer or we come to God in repentance as one of his disciples because he is always doing a work of grace all the time. And so that's what was going on here. The people were repenting and repentance always leads to a changed life and a greater life and, and a one that finds itself under the authority of God. You know, here's a great leadership principle. If you want to be a man or woman of authority, you have to learn to be a man or woman under authority. Right? I got a brother-in-law who, when he turned 18, he let everybody know, I'm gone, I'm out of here, and nobody's going to tell me what to do anymore. Hmm. You know what he did? He joined the army. True story. <laughs> True story. And, and I'm just here to tell you, wherever you are in life, we, we need to find ourselves under authority, right? So as a disciple of the Lord Jesus, I want to be under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I want to be under His authority. Colossians says that we seek those things which are above. If we have been risen to Christ, we seek those things that are above. Seated where He is at. And so they're finding their place under the authority of God's Word. And as God's Word is doing what only it can do, it brings about the spirit of repentance and life change. And, and, and folks, well, what we see in the text, this was the real deal. This wasn't some flippant change. This, this wasn't some out-of-seltzer moment in the church. Y'all been there, plop, plop, this, this. You know, you kind of feel the warm fuzzies about how to get the park out, it's all gone, right? This is not that kind of decision that was made by these people. This was a life change. This is something that was going to radically change their life. And, and I hope today that, that God would do such a work in my life and in your life that, that perhaps we would stop making these flippant commitments to the Lord. Stop playing games. 
and allow true repentance to bring us into the presence of the Lord. And once you are in His presence, you cannot be the same. And well, just stop playing those games. There was a man in, in his church, and we would always pray. He would end his prayer with something like this. And Lord, clean out the cobwebs in my life. Please clean out the cobwebs in my life. Well, one of the church members has gotten kind of weary of that because he heard it time after time, year after year, decade after decade, and he was sitting here in that same kind of prayer over and over and over. He knew in his heart it was just as insincere as it could possibly be, and he was tired of hearing it week after week after week. Well, the pastor called on the man to pray one day, and he, here he goes. He starts praying, and sure enough, he said, Lord, just clean the cobwebs out of my life. And before he could say it the second time, the other men of the church had had enough and just said out loud, and Lord, while you're at it, please just kill the fire. <laughs> you ever feel that way sometimes? You know, we can make these flippant kind of on-the-spur-of-the-moment decision, and they are over just like that. Well, I'm here today. That is not what happened in Nehemiah 9 and 10. Didn't happen. This was life altering. And so what I want to do, I want to go back to the last verse of chapter 9, and then I'm going to read a, a good portion of chapter 10. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Matter of fact, as you stand, I want you to hold your Bible, your phone up, and just say this with me. This is the Bible. It's God's it's holy, infallible, inherent, perfect, perfect life-giving, life-changing word. Look at verse 38 in chapter 9. Because of all this, because of 24 days of being in the presence of the Lord, because of repentance and a changed heart, because of all this, we make a firm covenant in writing. On the sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. Chapter 10. And on the seals were all these names, 84 names. And I won't take time today to read all those 84 names. But, but look at verse 28. So, so what you have in the first several verses is all the leaders. There's all the Jewish priests and the leaders. So the leadership was the very first one to put their name on the line. And because of that example, look at verse 28, the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who have separated themselves from the people of the lands to the law of God, their lives, their sons, their daughters, and all who have knowledge and understanding, join with their brothers, their nobles, and enter in a curse and an oath to walk in God's laws that was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe to do all the commandments of the Lord our Lord and His rules and His statutes, we will not give our daughters to the peoples of the land or take our daughters from our sons. And if the people of the land bring in goods or any grain on the Sabbath day itself, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on the holy day. We will forego the crops of the seventh year and the taxation of every debt. We also take on ourselves the obligation to give yearly a third part of the shekel for the service of the house of God, the showbread, the, the grain offering, the regular burnt offering, the Sabbath, the new moon, the appointed feasts, the holy things, and the sin offerings to make atonement for Israel and for all the work of the house of our God. We, the priests, the Levites, the people, have likewise cast lots from the wood offering to bring to the house of our God according to our fathers' houses at times of 
appointed year by year to burn on the altar of the Lord our God, as it is written in the law. We obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of the ground, the first fruits of all of the uh, all fruit of every tree year by year to the house of the Lord. Also to bring the house of God to the priest who minister in the house of God, the firstborn of the sons of our cattle, as it is written in the law, and the firstborn of our herd and of our flocks. And to bring the first of our dough and our contributions, dough, yeah, dough, money. <laughs> just kidding, all right, that, just, that was funny, all right? <laughs> so they're just saying, God, we're going to bring you the first. God, we are not going to put you second. You understand that? Say amen. Amen. That's what they're saying. And then they said, then they're going to bring in to the tithes. The Levites received the tithes. The Levites are bringing the tithes to the house of our God, to the chambers of the storehouse. For the people of Israel, the sons of Levi, shall bring the contribution of grain and wine of all the chambers, where the vessels of the sanctuary are, as well as the priests who minister, and the gatekeepers and the singers. We will not neglect the house of our God. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for just the privilege it is, Lord, to be back and to assemble and to gather, Lord, today, to be in a small group in Sunday school, God, to be together in a worship service like this, to be able to sing praises to your name, God, to open your word. Thank you to have the freedom here today to, to read your word, to think through your word, God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that in the few moments that we have together today, that God, we would speak such a clear word to our heart today. And Father, I pray that as we are just sitting under your truth, that God, you would change us today. God, I pray that there would be great life change happen in this place today. And God, I pray for any reason at all, Lord Jesus, that the devil has sent any spirit, demonic spirit here today to somehow distort or disrupt the work of God. I pray in the name of Jesus that that spirit had no place here today. And God, I pray that your word would have freedom and that God, you would do what only you can do. And God, we will praise you for what you do and glorify your name. For we ask it today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So as we read this text together, you can kind of feel the weight of everything that's going on here. And I've broken this up into three categories. There are more than three in the text, but, but for the sake of time today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this to three things that I want to bring to your attention. Number one is this. The key to new beginnings is believing God's promises and acting upon them. Let me say that again. The key to new beginnings is believing God's promises and acting upon them. What you have in verses 1 through 17 is this incredible picture of a, a heart and life being submitted to the Word of God. So the people saw the importance of the Scriptures. They saw the importance of the Word of God. And, and friend, that's always where it starts. It doesn't start in the seat of my emotion. It starts with God communicating His truth to my own heart. And here we have such a commitment to the Word of God. And why is that important? Because the Word of God is God-breathed. The Word of God is sent from heaven. And so Ezra could have read maybe, maybe Deuteronomy chapter 29, how the word to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. And he 
would talk about the binding and loosing. And I'm not saying here today we need to bind and necessarily have oaths and all of that. But what I am saying today, what I am advocating this morning, is that each of us who are a part of the redeemed family of God should be obedient to the Scriptures. And when you and I are obedient to the Word of God, you can't help but give a joyful response back to the Lord. I mean, do you understand today that every promise in the Bible has a yes beside it because of Jesus? Isn't that amazing? Every promise that you read, I'm telling you, every single promise in the Bible has a yes beside it because of Jesus. And one of the great joys of a child of God that you can have a fresh start, a new beginning, when you really say, God, I believe that word is for me. That mentally it's more than just this mental ascent. It is more than just an emotional response. This is when the word of God becomes real to you. Did you know that the Bible says in itself that heaven and earth can pass away, but his word will stand forever? And so our commitment to the truth of Scripture is critical this morning. I, I love the book of Psalm. Listen to Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart and the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them, full of splendor and majesty in His work. And His righteousness endures forever. He has caused His wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear Him. He remembers His covenant forever. He has shown His people the power of His works and given them the inheritance of the nations. The works of His hands are faithful and just. All His Precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He's commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have good understanding. Praise endures forever. Say, Kim, what does that mean? That means this. When you let the Word of God get into you and you let the Word do what only the Word can do in you and through you and you trust the promises of God and you begin to see the evidence of God working in you and through you, you can't help but have a spell and praise His name. Because you understand that the strength and the power getting the job done is not in you, but it is in Him. Why? He is sitting in that place of power and authority today. Did you know the one who came, the one who lived, the one who died for each and every one of us, rose again on the third day, ascended to the Father, sprinkled blood on the mercy seat, then sat down at the right hand of God. Do you know that He is ruling and reigning today? And on that throne, listen, and on that throne, there can only be one Lord. It's either going to be you or it's going to be Him. Right? And I've noticed something. When I assume that place of authority that is not mine to have, and I think I'm right, and I think I'm in control, I think I have freedom. Do you know what kind of bondage that creates? But when you, then Jesus, be Jesus in you, when you take the Word and you watch the Word do something in you that you physically and 
and and and you, you just can't explain it. You just know that God is doing something supernatural in you. You can't help but give Him praise. Now, why is that important? Let me take this out. I'll move on to the second point. The reason this is so critically important is because it speaks to your identity in Jesus. When, when, when these folks were signing their names, I mean, think about it. I, I'm not advocating today that we should sign some kind of covenant. But I am saying it's interesting that it takes less effort to become a member of a Baptist church than it does Sam's Wholesale Club. I mean, every now and then, do you think maybe we just got a few things backwards every now and then? Do you think we've kind of dumbed down so much that we've tried to make this thing so easy and so accessible that we've made something less than what God intended it to be? So here is a high standard. And they are committing themselves. They are putting their name on the dotted line. Why? Because they believed the word of God. And they knew that it doesn't change. They knew that they had changed. And now God was doing a fresh work of grace in them and bringing it to himself. I, I remember years ago, I had a couple come to office. And they wanted to get married. They wanted to get married. I'm all for getting married. Hallelujah. All right. And, uh, so, but, but really, 10 to 12 minutes of the conversation was very clear that, that this boy did not know Jesus at all. Made no bones about his, didn't care anything about the things of God. He wanted to marry her. And I just simply looked at that young lady and I just said, well, now look, I, I, mean, I know a lot about you, I know a lot about your family, and you, you, you're a professing believer. And I just simply said, you know what the Bible says about that, right? And she knew what she did. She looked and she said, I know. I know what the Bible says about not being, you know, unequally yoked. I get it. But preacher, you need to hear this. I've prayed about it and God told me that it was okay. And very lovingly and patiently, I just informed her that whatever voice that she had just listened to was not the voice of God. God will never contradict His Word. Never. And church, if you really want to be the church that Jesus died for you to be, one of the things that has to happen is a fresh commitment to the truth of the Scriptures. And that you are willing to believe them and trust single promise out of this blessed book. The key to new beginnings is believing God's promises and acting upon them. Number two. So, so they, they signed, they, they made a commitment. There they are at the wall at the, the verse 27 and at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem they saw the Levites in all their places and to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving, and with singing. I mean, folks, these, these folks are having a blast. Don't you tell me walking with Jesus is not fun? Don't you tell me that the greatest life is not the Christian life? 
I mean, of all the people on the planet that have something to celebrate, it ought to be the people of God. Amen? I said ought, but it should be ought, right? No, ought. <laughs> all right, whatever. I noticed something. Y'all probably not going to like what I'm going to say here, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I didn't feel a whole lot of celebration today. I didn't sense a lot of gladness. I didn't sense a lot of thanksgiving, even while we were singing. Maybe because we didn't have symbols and hearts and lives. <laughs> I, I don't know. But can I just, can I lovingly tell you this? When you come together, leave all your mess outside. And when you come in here, why don't we just worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? And I promise you, if you'll do that, you will sense gladness, you will sense thanksgiving, and you might even raise your hand, you might even shout amen. That's free, and then cost you a dime. And the sons of the singers gathered together in the distance around Jerusalem from villages. I'm telling you, they were everywhere, and God brought them all together, and now they're purifying themselves, and, and they're actually separating themselves. Point number two I want you to see is this. Separation is simply total devotion to God no matter what the cost. Separation is simply total devotion to God no matter what the cost. So by the time you get down to verses 28, 30, 31, you, you see this remnant, this Jewish remnant. And they're surrounded by idolatrous Gentiles. And, and, and the thing is, these Gentiles wanted the Jews to, to look like them, act like them, smell them, to, to think the way that they thought, to do business the way that they did business, to socially accept what they would socially accept, and, and even on the religious front, to believe what they would believe. But you've got to remember, God had given them a covenant. Remember, a covenant is a promise made between people and the Father. And you can go all the way back to Abraham and here's this covenant was developed that you will walk with me and I will walk with you. I love what David Jeremiah says. David Jeremiah says, because God is in a covenant with us, it makes it easier to follow him because he is in a covenant with us. I love that. And so what you have here is this idea that, that there needs to be some sense of, of, of separation. I know that's a word that we don't like very much. But it is a biblical concept and it's a biblical word. And since I'm a preacher of the gospel and I want to preach the whole counsel of the word of God, I'm not going to skip this. And so the idea of separation was the idea of marriage. So the illustration that you have in the text is marriage. That we don't want the, the, the Jews marrying the Gentiles because we don't want their belief system to become your belief system. Because God says, I've already given you my word. I am the one that freed you. I am the one that redeemed you. I am the one that provides for you. We are in a covenant together. And so I want you to follow my ways, follow my precepts, follow my statutes. And the only way you can do that is to separate yourself from other things. And the picture he gives is the picture of marriage. Now, listen, I am not a professional on marriage. I only have 39 years under my belt. Patty does got 50 years under their belt, so they can probably speak to this better than I can. Y'all got 43 good granny grits. I mean, that's, that's a long time. And so you, you know more than I know. But I do know this. One of the greatest joys of my life is being married to my sweetheart. And you understand that the concept here is this. Is when you say yes to God, you're saying no to the world, right? And so he uses the picture of marriage. So when I said yes to Pat 
on August the 27th, 1983, at Cagma Baptist Church in Liberty, South Carolina, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. That's right, isn't that? Yes, to Pat. So when, when, when I put this wet band on, very seldom will it ever take us off. Okay? And on the inside of it, it says, I love you five cents. Now, you say, boy, y'all are cheap. Well, here's the backstory. When Pat and I first got married, we, we lived on the campus of North Green University in an, in an attic. They had, they had refurbished this house. And going into the attic and make a little apartment out of it. And that's when we got there, that's where we lived on the campus of North Greenville. And we went to Junior's All-American Cafe one night. Because we just wanted to go out. And so we went out. And at that time, we did two hot dogs for a dollar at Junior's All-American Cafe. We got two hot dogs, one fry, one tea. After I paid the bill and left the tip, honest truth, the only thing that we had to our name was one nickel. And I that. So I went and paid with a tip and I came back and I sat down at the table and I had that nickel in my pocket. And my bride, in that just that real precious moment, looked at me and she just went, how much do you love me? And I said, I love you with all I've got. And she said, how much is that? <laughs> and I said, because <laughs> that's all we got, baby. <laughs> and from that day and now, that has stuck. I love her a nickel's worth. Because that means everything. When I said yes to Pat and I put this ring on my finger, that means I said no to everybody else. Are you with me? And we did that mutually. She said yes to me. I said yes to you. So we said our yes. We didn't say like, but, but by saying yes, we are saying no. Everybody else, right? So let's just suppose that I, so we went to, I mean, I, I treated her special yesterday. I'm telling her, we got all dolled up, and I took her to Hall's Chop House in Columbia. <laughs> Suppose that while we're sitting there talking about 39 years of marital bliss, Pat is grabbing my phone and happens to, to start looking at my pictures on my phone. And what if she said, Ken, I, I just, uh, well, this, I don't understand this. Who are all these ladies' pictures on your phone? And what if I said, Well, honey, listen, I said yes to you, huh? I mean, I'm married to you, look, I get your rings on everything, but these are just these are just ladies that I just, you know, like to talk to. Sometimes we'll be lunch with or walk. Now, this is only an illustration, all right? You are looking pretty, pretty hard right now. That would not have gone over very well, right? My sweet wife does not believe in divorce, but she does believe in murder, all right? And I'm just telling you, if that had have happened, I would not be preaching in this pulpit today, all right? God is making that strong of a statement here in the text to say, I want your heart reserved for me and 
for me alone. And one way to ensure that is for you to separate yourselves from anything that does not look like me. Thank you. 
And that's a good thing. And as you give, I want you to understand, as you give, you are, are allowing the gospel to advance. You, you help support ministries of the church. You, you take care of, of, of salaries and staff. I mean, it's, it's, so, it's, it's multi-layered. But the bottom line is this. As you give unto the Lord, you're being sure that the house of God is being well taken care of. Many years ago, G. Campbell Morgan made this statement. Whereas the house of God today is no longer material, but spiritual, the material is still very real, symbol of the spiritual. When the church of God in any place, in any locality, is careless about the material place of assembly, the place of its worship and its work is a sign and evidence that it is life at its low ebb. And so when they began to promise, they said, okay, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pay to the temple tax. So during their annual census, the tax was collected, and it was to support the work of the temple. And the tax was reminding the people of God that the Father had redeemed them and paid the price and set them free. And because God had set them free, they were willing to give to Him. And today we still have to work together to maintain the work of the ministry, even here at Poplar Springs. You are good stewards, and I want to encourage you to continue to be good stewards of all that God has given to us. I can spend some time this morning again in 2 Corinthians. He says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that is given among the churches of Macedonia. For in severe tests of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in the wealth of generosity on their part. So here was a church that understood the importance of living a generous life, even though they were a needy people. But they did so that they wanted the gospel to be enlarged. They wanted the gospel to penetrate the ears of lost people. And, and whether it was in Jerusalem or to the ends of the earth. If a disciple is truly walking with the Lord, he or she will want to do their part supporting the ministry of the church. And by the way, Jesus is the one who said, if you really want to know where your treasure is, look at me. That's right. It, it, it all connects together with the heart. Then he talks about the wood offering. The fire on the brazen altar was to keep burning consistently, so it required a steady supply of wood. Now that doesn't sound like a big deal, does it? Wood? But it shows that even a simple thing like wood was important to God's service. What I'm trying to say is this. Do you know that there's not anything unimportant in the service of God? And every one of us doing our part. Well, you may not be called to be a priest, but you can give and donate and the, the sacrifice and what you give. All those things can help keep the fire burning. And there's first fruits. The Jews were taught to give God the first, the best. Well, that's still a good example today. Proverbs 39 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, which is the first fruits of all your crops. And then tithe. I know there's a lot of debate on that. Should, should people tithe? And if you tithe, should you tithe on the gross or the net? And I usually ask people this, do you want to be blessed on the gross or the net? <laughs> that, that'll help determine that. So think about this for a second. 24 days in a Bible conference. And God's Spirit is being poured out on His people. And they said, Lord, we are going to, we are, we are reminded that you entered into a covenant with Abraham. And we are still a part of that covenant. And so today, 
we recognize we've drifted, but we want a new beginning. And so they sign their name to the dotted line. God, we believe your promises, and we're going to act upon them. God, we're going to separate ourselves from anything that does not look like you. And Lord, we're going to be sure that there's a spirit of generosity in our heart and that the work of the ministry and the advancement of the gospel will continue. And that will be my prayer today for each of us. Has it been a while since you felt the spirit of the Lord pop away? Are you a prodigal? Have you stepped away from God? And then you feel the Father calling home? Wouldn't you love to be restored today? Wouldn't you love to have a new beginning? I don't know how many new beginnings I've had in my life. I'm 60 years old and walked with Jesus ever since I was 16. That's a long time. I can't tell you how many times I felt like I've had a new beginning. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Aren't you glad that God doesn't run out of grace? And aren't you glad that God never runs out of times of new beginnings? So maybe you today, you need a new beginning. Trust me. And I'm encouraging you. Love him so much that you would separate yourself from him. I don't know what that means for you. But have you been making some decisions that have been ruled, you know, grounded in how you feel, what somebody else thinks instead of what God has said in his word? I'll tell you this. Anytime you say, I know what the Bible says, but you realize you're in trouble, right, don't you? You realize that? Anytime you say, I know what the Bible says, but you're in trouble. Don't submit to it. Separate yourself to it. And then watch God produce in you a spirit of generosity. See, some of you live like this. You're scared to death to trust God. And so you live just like this. You get all you can, you can all you get, you sit on the can. Here's the problem with that. If you're not willing to give, let me ask you a question. How are you going to get? If I learn to give, guess what I'm just doing? I open myself up now to receive. Right? And maybe here today, that could be where you are. Maybe that's the area of life that God's really trying to challenge you with. You you think it's all about you, and it's not. It's about Him. I wish I had time today. I would tell you story after story after story. I would tell you story where we made some poor decisions about some things in the past and found ourselves in bad financial shape. Just because I'm just telling you, decisions have consequences, right? Decisions have consequences. But we turn those things over to the Lord, and all of a sudden, I'm not kidding when I say this. I'm talking about in a matter of weeks. What we could never have done in our flesh, God did just like that. He opened up the windows of heaven, and He blessed, 
I'm just telling you, you can never outgive God. Somebody say amen to that. And so, I want you to give. I want you to receive everything that the Lord has for you. So, Lord, today, I really can't hear the heart and life of everyone. I don't, I don't, I don't know everything that everyone is going through. But, Lord, I do believe in my heart that this is the right text for the day and it was the perfect time to preach this text. God, I believe there's some people here today that need a new beginning. And God, the beautiful thing is that as you come to us and bring conviction, Lord, we can exercise repentance. God, we can come to you and God, you can cleanse us and forgive us and wash us in the blood of Jesus and restore us to yourself. And so, Lord, for anyone here today that needs that new beginning, I pray, Jesus, that that would happen. God, I pray for those that just got so wrapped up in the world and its mindset and opinion. And, Lord, so many times we take our cues from every place except you. And, God, maybe somebody today has recognized that and I pray, God, for that spirit of repentance that would, God, just cleanse their heart and drive them to your word. And that, Lord, we would live in such a way that we do experience your grace, we want others to experience your grace. And that, God, as we covenant with you, we want to covenant with a spirit of generosity because we know that everything we have is from you. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would meet with us. God, do what only you can do, even in this invitation. And God, we trust you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Scott, his team, so lead us. If I can help you, I want to help you. If you just want to come find a place around to pray, if you come find a place to pray. If you need to be saved, I would love to introduce you to Jesus. If you're here today, say, can we, uh, me, my family, we need to be a part of a Bible-believing church. I, I believe that's this church. So trust, whatever, whatever God's speaking to you about today, simply trust Him. Trust Him.
And that's the question. As you leave today, I believe, where there will be some men standing there. I see them already uh, offering place to receive their offering. You're more comfortable with uh, putting it in the little black boxes on the way out to the portico. You're certainly uh, welcome to do that. Don't forget our Wednesday night activities that kicked off well this past week with back to school things. And there will be a women's study and, uh, with Miss Carol Mack, Mack, Mack. Um, and there will be also the regular study in the uh, fellowship hall. Uh, please sign up for lunch if you're coming, uh, or supper if you're coming uh, for that. I think it's sub sandwiches this week. So we'll look forward to that time together. Choir rehearsal at five. We'll look forward to seeing you. Let's pray again. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for allowing us to come into your presence. And Lord, I pray that every time we come into your presence, we'll do so with excitement, anticipation, thanksgiving. Because we're meeting with you. Lord, if we were to be going to see a relative we haven't seen in a while, we'd be excited. If we were going to see a friend that has been away for a while, we'd be excited. Lord, I pray that we'll be excited each and every time we worship corporately and individually with you. And as we go from this place, I pray that you would dismiss us with your peace and your blessings. We're asking in Jesus' name.